You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and I am not going to be your host today. We'll get to that in a minute, but I am joined in the studio by Ken, Matt, and Jeff. How's it going, gentlemen? Hello. Oh, doing good. Just got off a nice 14-hour shift, Ooh. so I'm primed for trivia now. I heard you had to let some people go. Yeah. Well, they just they were promoted to customer, as we like to say in the industry. Oh. <laughs> off to greener pastures, I guess. Yeah. I think Neil was promoted to a customer. He's uh, gnashing on a big bowl of General Tso's chicken right yeah. in front of him. Yeah, this uh, episode is sponsored by uh, Panda Express. We'll redact the Panda. Don't give away free sponsors. Well, we'll redact the Panda Express. They're not going to give us any money. They will not. No. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying some panda express they won't even give you good fortune cookies anymore you have to pay for them it's terrible yeah and i have to ask for soy sauce yeah just put, just put one in the bag it's okay what, what is going on there yeah um but uh, uh other than the panda express uh chicken and the gentleman in the studio we have uh, a special guest contestant with us today and he's coming to us from houston texas and that is stephen powell how's it going stephen it's going great how are you Doing well. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, you know how you got into trivia and, and what you do. I'm a registered nurse in the Texas Medical Center, as well as a uh, DJ with K-Tree Rice Radio, 96.1 FM. Um, I got into trivia a few years ago and compete with uh, a company called Challenge Entertainment. They had their National Trivia League finals this past weekend. I actually listened to your show, you know, enough leading up to it. It helped out enough, and we placed 11th out of uh, 204 registered teams. Oh, wow. Pretty good. Congratulations. Glad to hear our voices didn't, uh, you know, ruin your, your trivia time there. <laughs> uh, and as far as DJing, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a, a website or anything, any place people can find you for the, the show you do? Or SoundCloud, right? <laughs> 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 right. Uh, for all of the uh, kids, you know, who do social media, I'm personally at uh, DJ Nursic because I'm the nurse bring you music, and the uh, radio station is uh, K Tree Rice Radio, and uh, I'll post links and or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Nice, send nice. us the links. Yeah, we'll put them on the uh, the show notes. Uh, and thank you very much for for your service as a registered nurse. I have a lot of family members that are nurses, and uh, it's uh, hard work, and and we need people to do it. So thank you for for doing that and i just hope one day if i do break my knee or my leg or something in houston that you will be scratching while i come into the or so. 
<laughs> I'd be happy to. Thank you. Uh, and uh, one more introduction. Uh, he is our universal champion. He's uh, one of our favorite people uh, back uh, from a long trip uh, to Japan, and he's going to tell us all about it, but it's our, our good friend and awesome person, David Levesey. How's it going, David? Good. How are you? Good job getting my last name correctly. Mm. Well, remember, I told you, we have the um, we have the secret sauce, which is you sing Gin Blossoms. Hey, David Levesey. I like it a lot. Yeah. So um, <laughs> how, how's everything going? Tell us about your trip to Japan. Everything's going great. Um, so I went to Japan for about a week. And one of my favorite parts there was I went to Nara, which is a city right outside Kyoto. Um, it's kind of the birthplace of um, Japanese Buddhism. And they had these deer there where um, they're so ingrained and they're like sacred to the people there. They're like mes- messengers for the kami, which is like the spirits of Shintoism. Um, and they're so ingrained in the society that they bow to you when you want, and like they want the crackers that you're trying to give them before they, <laughs> like if, if you don't give it to them right away, like they bow in order to get it. It's kind of cool. Neil does that too, actually. When he I wants do. the crackers. <laughs> yeah, when I want a cracker, I bow. That's correct. If uh, I'm not mistaken, the uh, crackers um, near that shrine are the original origin of actual Chinese fortune cookies, which we were discussing earlier, thanks to Neil's Panda Express. So oh. they were originally a Japanese cookie. Um, then we interned all the Japanese people uh, following World War II, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chinese took over a lot of the Japanese um, business, and uh, Chinese fortune cookies were born. So there you go. There's a little history for you yeah. before the trivia. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know about I don't know about you, David, but um, my favorite part of my trip to Japan was uh, the plane ride back. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. I um, it's horrible. So I isn't got it? back. I got back Wednesday, and then on Saturday I slept probably eighteen hours. Yeah. And now I think my system's all caught up. I yeah. don't know. We'll see. I had a similar experience where I woke up and I had no idea where I was. <laughs> <laughs> when we go, I'm gonna just try and keep you um, Central Time from the U.S. <laughs> the whole time. It's like all I'm gonna do is just is really sing enjoy karaoke. the nightlife. Yeah, I'm just singing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, uh, I think Jeff is going to team up with Steven over there. Um, and he had a great uh, uh, team name that he came up with that his uh, trivia team usually does. And what is that, Steven? Uh, we are the Quizly Bears. The Quizly Bears. All right. The and, Quizly uh, Bears looking for that honey. I guess in honor of Neil's dinner, <laughs> me and Matt are going to team up and be uh, General Triviality's Chicken. How about that? Sounds good. Not too spicy, just enough kick mm-hmm. the way we like it. Right. I can't handle spice, as you know. So um, we're, we're, oh, we were eating tacos the other day with Ken, and, and uh, I asked the guy at the restaurant, I was like, is the sauce spicy? And he's like, no, not at all. No, not, not at all. And I took, a, I took a bite, and Ken's like, oh, it's not that bad, right? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I couldn't handle it. So <laughs> it, was, it was kind of spicy. It was a little mm-hmm. spicy. And then Ken ate some grasshoppers. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, well, thank you, David, uh, for they were, they were cooked like by the by the <laughs> restaurant. I didn't just yeah. find them. Yeah, he didn't have to catch them or anything. Uh, thank you for writing this game, David. Uh, David, uh, as you guys might know, is coming to us from Austin, Texas. And uh, in honor of this game today, I'm not going to be playing. I'm going to be scorekeeping, um, playing by myself. So if I do win, it counts. If I don't, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do have a fortune cookie over there, so the winner will get to open the fortune cookie, and we'll see what happens in bed. So classic, uh, classic fortune cookie. Uh, humor game there humor yeah, yeah. Um, all, right. all right well if you guys are, are good to go i'm gonna throw it to the rules guy the rules of the game are simple 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece at halftime there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host after regulation players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager zero to 30 points on five categorized questions 
at the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Ooh, I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. We gotta get him to do it in Japanese, too. <laughs> it, it could be possible. <laughs> I bet he could. He's a, he's a professional. Yeah. I mean, give him some I like time. I idea. Yeah. Give him some time. He'll learn it. Give him some money, probably, more like. Or some money. Uh, I prefer him to do it with no script, just to, oh. you know, learn it by heart. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, um, David, let's throw it to you, and, and uh, you can take over from here. Neil can enjoy all right. his chicken. All right. Round one, question one. You heard it in church first. Born in Halle, Germany, what Baroque composer is responsible for the popular Hallelujah Chorus known from the Messiah Oratorio? Okay. I think me and Matt are going to lock in. All right. Well, if... Uh, with uh, Ken and Matt locked in. Steven, uh, I have an immediate thought on this, but I wanted to get your feedback. What did you think on this one? Uh, I mean, Handel's Messiah immediately came to mind. That was what I was thinking. Sounds and, good. And we have elected to lock in with the same answer. Yeah, I didn't really have any thoughts, so I let Ken handle it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. That was a hey, If we're going to make jokes, let's handle them with care, okay? I love puns. <laughs> Um, so he was a uh, citizen. He gained his citizenship in England, but he was born in Germany and it's George Frederick Handel. Ah, right. Excellent. Good start. Good the next one's kind of a mouthful, so be ready. Famous femme, femme fatales. Count Dracula is often attributed to Vlad the Impaler of Wallachia, but Countess Dracula is attributed to which Hungarian noblewoman who holds the Guinness World Record for most prolific female murderer and was accused of torturing and killing hundreds of young women between 1858 and 1609. She shares her name with a 1980s Swedish band who, along with Mayhem and Immortal, helped pave the way for heavy metal. Oh, man. A Hungarian Countess. This, oh, There's this so is, many. This is so familiar, actually. Is it? And I just can't. I have I have written one prolific killer down, and it's not the hippo. <laughs> uh, the Hungarian hippo. Nice callback yes. to our fourth episode. Hungarian, Hungarian. Very hippos. early episode. Yeah. Heavy metal from the 80s. Uh, no idea? No, no, no. Okay. We're locked in. All right, Stephen. Uh, any thoughts on this? I was trying to run through early metal-ish bands that were Swedish, but the I was not getting very far on the Swedish one. Um, I kept thinking about like Iron Maiden, um, but that's obviously British. Um, what, what are your sure. thoughts? I'm actually struggling. Uh, my Swedish metal is not uh, as strong as it should be. Yeah, but I feel the same way. The Swedish metal bang. is usually the strongest. <laughs> Certainly the darkest. I don't know. The, the name that came to mind um, at least was... Uh, Queensryche. Okay. Yeah, I've got nothing better than that. All the other Swedish bands I can think of don't fit that description. Um, I'm, I'm fine to lock in with that. I figure we'll uh, we'll save everybody the time of us sitting here for an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All you. All right. Well, uh, I just locked in with uh, the, the most prolific female killer I could think of, and that was Lizzie Borden. Not Amana Marth? Not Amana Marth. <laughs> So she was known to bathe in the blood of virgins. She's one of the first people to have Hold done on. that. It Is was this... Elizabeth Bathory. Yeah. Oh, man. Do I mean, not... I did put Lizzie. <laughs> but no it's go? super close. It's a, it's a very different Lizzie, for sure. <laughs> I haven't heard of, of that person. I, I want to research that. That sounds really what interesting. What was the band? Yeah, yeah, uh, Bathory the band? is the band. Bathory huh? is Bathory? the band. Oh, Bathory. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I have never heard, never of, them. heard of them. Question three. 
famously fictional. Martin Aerosmith was a bacteriological researcher and titular character of the 1926 novel written by whom? He was awarded the 1926 Pulitzer Prize for the novel, but refused to accept the award. He being the author. Well, so it's probably something in the lines of uh, like a science fiction-y, right? That's what I was thinking. Martin Aerosmith, which is the character, was the bacteriological researcher. Okay. Not the author. Right. And we need the author. Any relation to the later band? Yeah, Steven Tyler's a huge fan of this book. Okay. We're locked in. I'm really curious uh, as to what you're thinking on this one, Stephen. I've got uh, not much of an inroad, so I'm I'm open to suggestion. I mean, I'm still picking up pieces of my brain. Uh, <laughs> literature's not exactly a strong suit for me. Fair enough. Um, um, what did did you have any thoughts, guesses? I mean, like when I hear bacterial researcher, I assume that this author in the 20s may have been medically related. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was. Yeah, and I'm, unfortunately, I'm not really good with anybody in that time frame. Um, yeah, I've got nothing better. I'm fine uh, thinking something like uh, like a Hemingway. That would have been pretty early for him, but, uh, you know, I could see it. Well, uh, they're going with Hemingway. Uh, we also thought that our selection was maybe a little uh, too late to the party, uh, but we're going to stick with the science fiction and go with Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, damn, science so in 1926 he was the first person to refuse the pulitzer prize and in 1930 he won the nobel prize for literature um he did not agree that contests where he didn't agree with contests where one book or author was praised or another and that's why he decided to refuse it and it was sinclair lewis Mm. his book was called aerosmith all right are there any other notable novels that he wrote Babbitt, walk walk this second. way. Oh, right. Uh, Love in an Elevator, yeah. Ragdoll. Okay. <laughs> um, he wrote Main Street, Babbitt, Aerosmith, and Elmer, Elmer Gantry. Question four. Shorties in sports ball. In 1947, the first National Little League tournament, later dubbed the Little League World Series in 1949, had the Maynard Midgets defeating the Lock Haven All-Stars, both from which state? Yeah, we can lock in. Do you actually know this one? No, no, no. I have it guess <laughs> you have any uh, you have any thoughts on this one Stephen? i'm thinking with a name like uh like maynard and haven it's some you know kind of a new englandish uh you know state uh, don't have an immediate one but something northeast is uh certainly what i'm leaning towards yeah i don't, I don't know why i had like a I had like a weird like new hampshire vibe about it immediately for no reason so we'll say new hampshire we'll uh live free or die so Sounds All right. good. Um, so the Little League World Series is played in Williamsburg, Virginia, I believe, currently. So my guess would be that the first one would have teams from there. So we said Virginia. So in 1947, the Maynard Midgets won 16-7, to 7, and 11 out of the 12 teams were from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That was my second guess. Doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Question five. And they said TV would rot our brains. Yeah, I think it did in mine case. (laughs) Outtake footage from which HBO comedy was used to clear Juan Catalan from murder charges in 2003? I got this one. I'm locked in as well, even though I'm not playing. (laughs) Okay, Stephen, I've definitely heard of this. Uh, When I think of HBO comedies from that time, though, I'm thinking Curb Your Enthusiasm. Does that sound about right? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. We're going with Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
And we are also going with Curb Your Enthusiasm, assuming that uh, after the verdict was read, it cut to the prosecutor and bump, 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 <laughs> So um, what happened was he was accused of murder, and then he said his alibi was that he was with his daughter at the Dodgers game, and they couldn't, his lawyers who had subpoenaed the footage couldn't find him on the Fox footage or the Dodgers footage, and then they found out that they had re- were recording an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and they looked at the outtakes and found him and his daughter sitting in the stands. That's crazy. All right. Yeah, it's a really fascinating story. They have a little mini doc that was on Netflix at one point. I don't know if it's still there, but if you find it, it's I'm pretty su- sure I had heard about it because of the promotion for the documentary and not mm-hmm. anything else. But uh, Well, <laughs> after five questions, uh, it's 20 to 20. All right. So, Question six, land down under. Cyril Callister, an Australian food technologist, is considered the father and developer of what food after the British imports of a similar product became scarce following World War One. We can lock in. That's fine. Um, Stephen, my gut goes to, to Vegemite on this one. Um, we joke about it on the show. I can't think of anything else that would be distinctly different. Um, if I'm reading the room right, the gentleman across the table seemed to think similarly, I would guess. But yeah, I'm thinking Vegemite, so I don't know how you feel about that, but... That works for me. Okay, uh, I think we're going to lock in with Vegemite. Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> we're thinking the same, and if it's Australian, it's food, we're thinking Vegemite, so we said Vegemite. The British version was the B vitamin spread, and it's Vegemite. All right. Vegemite sounds more appetizing somehow <laughs> than B vitamin spread. I actually called three stores, four stores, uh, yesterday to try to get Vegemite in today so you would eat it on camera, yeah. but I couldn't find it, so we have to order it online. I have it. You have it at home? I still have it. It's expired. Oh. It I won't spoil. eat it. I won't <laughs> eat it. Now, if you win, you will bathe in Vegemite. Somebody yes. tells me it wouldn't oh, be that bad for, good for the skin. Neil's on a bathing <laughs> kick. I'm on, I'm on a bathing <laughs> kick. I'm on a very, like, uh, old west, uh, you know, I have to take a 90-degree bath once a month, that type of thing. All right, question seven, familial disp- disputes. The Muslim community split into the Sunni and Shia branches over who was who was to succeed Muhammad. The Sunnis believed Abu Bakr was the rightful successor, while the Shias believed who was the rightful successor of Muhammad. I took um, I took a world religion class. Well, I feel like uh, venturing a guess on this might be troublesome. Might be troublesome. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, Stephen, I I, uh, I don't know if you know much about this. Um, I looked it up once, which is not very helpful. Um, cause I was like, uh, well, yeah, you, I was curious. I was like, you know, I, I wanted to know the difference between the Sunni and Shia sects. So you have any thoughts? I feel like one of them was like a descendant of, of Muhammad and another one was like, uh, like another prophet. And I think the other prophet was, uh, Abu Bakr, but I, I can't remember all the other names I'm coming up with are like eighth through 12th century philosophers of that era. I, I've got no other good names because I won't be able to pull an Arabic name. I was hoping that maybe, uh, the differentiation, uh, much like the you know religious title out there, is imam. That you know, perhaps that was the person's name, and it's just adopted for leaders of various sects. But uh, I uh, can't logically come to uh, the correct answer on this, I mean, at least with confidence. That seems reasonable-ish to me. I, I've got nothing better than that. I think that's a sensible way to go about it. So. Uh, I'm good guessing uh, Imam. Yep, we have no idea, so mm-hmm. we're just going to tap a roo. Yep. It is Ali. Um, ah! Almost like Muhammad Ali, but not. That's exactly. <laughs> is it just Ali, or is it like Abu Ali, or? 
Um, it's Ali Ibn something or another. Yeah, Ibn Ibn's pretty common. All right, question eight. All in the family. Name the American actress and musician, daughter of an Academy Award-nominated cinematographer and director, and sister of a successful television actress who was named after a male J.D. Salinger protagonist. Yeah, let's let's go with that. Yeah, okay, we're locked in. All right, Stephen, do you have any uh, inroads on this? I'm trying to think of um, Salinger protagonists that aren't Holden Caulfield. Well, I thought he only wrote one book, didn't he? He, he might have. Yeah, I, I thought J.D. Salinger was like one of a handful of offers where he only wrote one book. That does and sound he right. he disappeared for 50 years, so pretty sure that he only wrote Catcher Under Eye. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm getting stuck. Uh, I can't think of any. I feel like I, I feel like there's a Holden out there, but I can't I can't put two and two together. Holden Coppola. <laughs> Was he a cinematographer? I think we're yeah. I think we're locked in with uh, Holden Coppola. Not a bad guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know the protagonist character, but we based it on the cinematographer, the musician, and sister actor, and. Uh, just hoping that there's a character named Zoe somewhere and said Zoe Deschanel. Uh, well, I, I'm just going to throw my hat in the ring here. Um, Zoe Deschanel's dad is a famous cinematographer. He did the right stuff and, um, uh, the natural and uh, a couple other movies, but uh, that was my guess. Deschanel. Uh, sister Emily, who's on bones. It's Zoe wow. Deschanel. Yeah. Speaking of bones, give me the pound. Nice. <laughs> well done. So the J.D. Salinger situation is he wrote one book, but he had short stories. So Zoe comes from Franny and Zoe, which is a short story compilation, which gets around the whole he wrote one book. Gotcha. uh, Question nine. Open up. Dental amalgam used for fillings is an alloy that is a mixture of metals or other substances with what specific element? I just had a filling done. and I'm trying to think of that. Pick pick an element. Pick an element. Okay, I, I I have an answer. Okay, we're in aluminum. I, I'm I'm trying to come up with some anagram or something, you know, where a element comes from amalgam or. All right, hear me out. This might sound crazy. I'm pretty sure, like, 15 years ago, when I got my first filling, I asked my dentist what it was, was actually in the filling, because I'm you know, one of those kids, mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I'm, we know. I'm pretty sure he said it was like an amalgam of mercury. And I was like completely awestruck that that was like even non like safe or non-toxic. And I don't know if I've made that story up or if that really happened. But I feel like it's just crazy enough that it might be the right answer. So, Hey, if it's right, I, I, I'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. I hope it's right. So. Did you have a teenage voice? And you're like, you lie, sir. You lie. No. <laughs> okay. I went straight from like a really high pitched kid's voice to this. That's probably because that's why you, you grew your beard when you're like 12, right? <laughs> yep. Had it ever since. False. So you, so you guys are locked in with mercury? I think so. It's a liquid, but yeah, sure. <laughs> not, a, not the amalgam, Jeff though. is right, but we went with. Uh, when you're thinking of the mouth, you think of tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so amalgam in general is any uh, alloy. There's not just not restricted to just dental, but um, it is it is mercury. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Good job. <laughs> Gaining back those points to keep the game tied there. Wow. That might have sounded like it was like a surprising victory, but I've been like looking at Jeff's face. He knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I I pretty like distinctly remember. I was like, "What's actually in this?" And then yeah. and then he's like, "Mercury." And I was like, "No, there's no way. Well, you would not he, put mercury in my mouth." It, I was like, "Yep." Yeah, I was right. like, "I trust you. Yeah, I trust you with my mouth, man." All right. Question ten. The category is strictly friends. 
In three-dimensional space, there are five platonic solids, which means they are regular convex polyhedrons. Four of the five polyhedrons end in the word hedron. What is the only platonic solid that does not end with hedron? All right. Um, I'm going to wait for them to figure it out, but uh, I think I've got it. So we'll figure it out, Stephen. Works for me. So that's what I would have locked in with anyway. Okay, we're in. Do you know the uh, five platonic solids, Stephen? Not at all. Okay, so they're D&D dice. If you're familiar with that reference. Uh, yes, I do understand that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, working your way up, the four-sided is a tetrahedron. Um, the one that's like two pyramids smashed together, eight-sided, I believe, is an octahedron. Um, you have a decahedron. A cosahedron is 20-sided, but that's not. I don't think that's a platonic solid. Um, and I'm trying to remember what dodecahedron? the... What dodecahedron is 12-sided, yeah. Um... A cube, I think, is the only one, because that would be the six-sided die. And we're rolling a Super Bowl and going with <laughs> Sphere. <laughs> so is a tetrahedron, an octahedron, a dodecahedron, an icosahedron, and a cube. Yeah. Hey! Uh, I felt like they had to have parallel Critical sides hit. or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Roll for intelligence. Wow. Well, going into the swing round, uh, Jeff and Steven uh, have a slight lead. They took the lead there, 50 to 40. Wow. Going into the swing round. I uh, just wanted to say one thing before we give it back to you, uh, David. Um, we have our video bonus series that uh, has either aired or is currently airing, so make sure to check it out, Triviality Bloodsport. It's either in our Facebook group called The Crop, or you can find it on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, uh, we just want to give a nice shout out uh, to Patreon, uh, because David is a universal champion there. Um, just go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast to sign up for uh, a bevy of different perks uh, to help support the show. Every dollar you give us helps the show and helps us create new things like the Triviality Bloodsport video series. And uh, we really appreciate it. And it's helping the show grow. So thank you to everyone who is supporting us, who will support us and for anyone that uh, spreads the word. So thank you. We got lots of uh, wacky bonus episodes on there for you, too. So yes. Yes. If you like the nonsense part Uncensored. of the show. Uncensored. I still think my They're favorite one. Censored. I, think I still think my favorite one is that one we did in Boston at like 2 a.m. for yeah. no reason. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. That was very good in the Airbnb. Um, and then, yeah, uh, just, uh, you know. Hit us up uh, on Facebook, like we said, on the, either the page or the, or the crop, the group, and uh, come have fun. There's a lot of gifts. All right, halftime. Want to play a game? Each, I'm going to give you 10 descriptions of Spiel des Jahres, Game of the Year winners. Yeah. You have to name them. <laughs> <laughs> Someone may have this Wikipedia page bookmarked. <laughs> Is it you, Ken? Oh, damn. <laughs> So I'm going to give you a year and a description, and you just give me the name of the game. All right. Question one. 2016. Spy masters give one-word clues that point to multiple words on a board where their teammates try to guess words of the right color while avoiding those that belong to opposing teams. Question two. 2014. Players bet on five racing camels, trying to suss out which will place first and second in a quick race around a pyramid. Question three. 2013. Named for the Japanese word for fireworks, a cooperative game in which players try to create the perfect fireworks show by placing cards on a table in the right order. Question four, 2011. Using 108 wooden blocks with six different shapes and six different colors, the start player places blocks of a single matching attribute, color or shape, but not both, on the table. Thereafter, a player adds blocks adjacent to each one previously played for each one previously played block. The blocks must all be played in a line and match without duplicates, either the color or shape of the previous block. 
Question five, 2010. One player is a storyteller for the turn and looks at the images on six cards in his or her hand. From one of these, she makes up a sentence and says it out loud. Each, each other player selects a card from their hand which best matches the description and places it down in front of the storyteller without showing it to the others. Everyone votes on which one's the correct one. It really sucks when you've played these games say, and you I can't remember the names. I've played that one for sure. <laughs> it's one of my favorite games. Question six, 2009. A medieval-themed deck-building game where each player uses yes. a separate deck of cards to perform actions and buy cards from a common pool. These cards include action, treasure, and victory cards, and a player with the most victory points win. Shout out to Jason. He says this is his favorite card slash deck-building game. He is wrong because that is Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah, so good. <laughs> That's going to be an answer. Question seven, 2004. Never one, never one Players collect cards of various types of train various types of train cars they then use to claim railroad routes on the United in North America. The longer the routes, the more points they earn. Additional points come to those who fulfilled objectives and to the other player who builds the longest continuous route. Question eight, 2001. A tile placement game in which the players draw a place uh, draw and place a city, road, cloister, grassland, or a combination tile with a piece of southern France landscape on it. Having placed a tile, the player can then decide to place one of his knights, robbers, monks, or farmer meeples on one of the areas. When the area is complete, that meeple scores points for his owner. Great. Number 9, 1995. <laughs> Players build settlements, cities, and roads. On each turn, dice are rolled to determine what resources the island produces. Players collect these resources, wood, grain, brick, sheep, or stone, to build up their civilizations to get to 10 victory points and win the game. Amen. Question 10, 1980. Similar to a card game of similar strategy, players try to get rid of tiles by forming numbers into runs of three or more, or three of a kind. The colors of the, colors of the numbers on the tiles are like card suits. I was just hoping for a <laughs> Cones of Dunshire reference. Oh, I love that game. I think I'd be the Ledgerman. I watched that episode. It's like one of the only episodes I've actually watched. <laughs> if you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right. Well, we've had some time to discuss with our teammates, so let's toss it back over to David. All right. So the 2016 game, their spy masters give one word clues is? Uh, we went with the classic uh, spy versus spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel I feel embarrassed. I feel like I should know this one, um, but I said maybe he was being kind of tricksy, and we said spy masters. So, the answer is code names. Mm, no points. Yeah, there. that's the one. All right. Question two: 
The 2014 where players bet on which camel will win the race. Yes. What'd you guys put? Uh, we said my humps, my humps, my board game camel humps. <laughs> <laughs> is that not right? Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Um, I, I think this one is called camel up. So what you do, you take a giant pyramid and you shake dice that's in it and they come out and then you kind of bet and it's called camel up. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Question three, the 2013 game that's Japanese for the word fireworks. We went with uh, Kaboom. I feel like uh, we have the wrong one here, but I couldn't get it out of my head. So we said Takanoko. Uh, so Takanoko is the game with the pandas that you yeah. were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, but uh, it's Hanabi. Yeah, mm. That's right. Okay. I can see the box now, too. All right. Question four, the 2011 game with 108 wooden blocks of different colors and shapes. We're going to go with uh, Black Sabbath's Crazy Train. (laughs) Um, I know Dixit is somewhere on the list of Spiel der Jahres winners. Um, I couldn't get out of my head, never played it. Uh, We just guessed Dixit. And this one is Quirkle. Yep, heard of that one too. (laughs) Number five, the 2010 game with a storyteller who looks at images. Uh, We are going to say this one is called Wacky Telephone. Uh, Steven and I were talking about uh, games where you put cards into a pot and pick the winner. Uh, we said apples to apples because we uh, couldn't come up with anything else. It's very close to apples to apples, but just with pictures. Uh, and it's pretty cool. It's one of my favorite games, actually, because the pictures are so cool. They look like paintings. Um, and this is Dixit. Oh, this oh. one's Dixit. Ah! This one's Dixit. <laughs> I knew it was on the list somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just went off there. <laughs> All right. Question six. The 2009 medieval deck building game. All right, so this one pisses me off because I wrote uh, Domain, and then I heard Jeff say Dominion, and uh, I just didn't think enough about it, and we went with Domain. I, I believe, unfortunately, we are the ones who had Dominion over this answer. We said Dominion. Mm-hmm. The answer is Dominion. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question seven. The 2004 game where players... Um, basically make train routes uh we went with ticket to ride on this one and we too went ticket to ride answer is ticket to ride question eight the 2001 tile placement game with uh pieces of south of southern france on it uh we went with vive la france um david said the word meeples when i think of meeples there's only one real game the game that started it all for meeples and i believe the game is agricola the game that started it all for meeples it's kind of a trend in these kinds of games. Oh. Little mini figures called meeples. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it the so I'm a little worried because I'm a little worried because Jeff said it was his favorite game, but it's Carcassonne. Oh, th- I thought Carcassonne was way earlier. Um, it won in 2001. So the the years of the the years of the games won isn't exactly when they came out. I thought oh. you said that one was 2008. Okay, that I was mm-hmm. way off. All right, number nine, 1995 game where players build settlements, cities, and roads. Uh, Settlers of Catan. We agree. Settlers of Catan. Catan or Settlers of Catan. Number 10, 1980, uh, similar to a card game where you get three of three or four of a kind. Uh, we're going to go with Uno. Steven bailed me out on this one. I, we think this is Rummy Cube. The card game is Rummy and the tile game is Rummy Cube. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a big 10 points on this one. <laughs> 
Yeah. So uh, Team General Triviality's Chicken is going to get 10 points. They're up to 50. And then uh, Jeff and Steven Team Quizly Bears is going to be up to 75. Wow. That did not go well for us. Nice surge. <laughs> Round two, question one. It's not Surat. In painting and drawing, what is the name for the technique of using small dots of a single color as opposed to the multicolor pointillism to create a pattern simulating various degrees of solidity and shading? That one took a left turn. Yeah, because you you heard pointillism screaming from the back of your brain. All right. Uh, We are going to go ahead and lock in. Uh, I think we're locked in too. We're going to say, we'll say dot matrixing. Uh, I don't think that's right. I uh, I don't think so either. Yeah, we went with the more modern neo pointillism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is stippling or head cuts. Ooh, never gonna get that. Head though. cuts. Mm-hmm. I must have been sick that day in our class. Yeah, I don't think we ever got that. <laughs> get that far. We got to perspective, and that was about it. All right, question two. Let him down easy. Doctor Death refers to which American pathologist and euthanasia activist who was convicted of second-degree murder for his direct role in a case of voluntary euthanasia? You know it. I know one. Yep. Yeah. He's famous. He's from around here, isn't he? We all live down here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Uh, I'm gonna lean on your insight on this one, Stephen. His first name was Jack. I thought. You thinking of Kevorkian? Kevorkian. Yeah. Okay. I'm good. I'm good with that. I don't have anything else to think on so i think we're going with uh dr jack kevorkian yep as portrayed by al, per- al pacino <laughs> kevorkian <laughs> answer is dr jacob jack kevorkian yeah from michigan uh, yeah yeah question three blazing the oregon trail what lucky 1950s musical film takes place in 1850s oregon where howard keel's character brings millie home to the fa- to the farm as a wife starting a chain reaction for his brother's want of wives I think I actually know this. <laughs> That's the most confidence I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, are you sure it's not Oklahoma? No, it's probably I in might Oklahoma. be wrong. Uh, tap on my end. <laughs> yeah, I'm not great with musicals myself. I know Lucky is is something we can lean on, but uh, I think I'm I'm out of it. So. No, well, I mean the only Luck reference that I have, but it, this musical was set in New York. I'm, you know, eighty. Three percent sure, uh, guys and dolls, because they have uh, an iconic song that goes "Luck be a lady tonight." We could put, uh, we could put in guys and dolls. That's better than my Joy Luck Club answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let me uh, let me take you back about uh, at least twenty years, probably more. My grandmother makes me watch this movie called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers." And uh, I told her it's a grandma movie. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we bring this up uh, quite frequently. So we're going to go with Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And I'll have to have Grandma Alice listen to this episode. All right. The answer is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> grandma coming through. Good job, Grandma. Yeah. So they just did a production of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers uh, over at uh, Oak Brook Jury Lane about two or three years ago. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a big acrobatic uh, barn building dance scene, or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of dancing. Weird, mm-hmm. some kind of musical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, some kind of singing, some kind of dancing. It's almost incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Question four: The round's called Tokayo. Tokayo is a word used by some Latin people that signifies a sort of kinship with people who share the same namesake. 
Niles Crane wife and Mickey Mantle's other half of the Eminem boys would loosely be considered Takayo because they share what name? We're locked in. We're in. Ooh, I know both of these references. <laughs> I I don't. Uh, are you are you getting this one, Stephen? I I didn't know what Takayo meant because uh, I have customers who share my name, and my one coworker is like, "Oh, it's your Takayo," and I was like, "What the hell?" Um, but then she explained, and I was like, "I still don't get it." But okay, so Mickey Mantle was married to Marilyn Manson. No, <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful people. The beautiful people. <laughs> Uh, the other half, though, with the Eminem boys, I believe, is someone else he he played with on the Yankees. And is it Roger Maris? My baseball knowledge is uh, minuscule. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not getting the other half of this. I'm wondering if it's a Frazier reference. I don't get or something, but uh, Dr. Frazier Crane. But uh, I've got I've got nothing better than Roger. So that that's all I've got is uh, Marilyn Monroe and s- someone else. Okay, <laughs> don't so, call it a comeback. Marilyn Monroe and someone else. <laughs> that's what you're locking in with yes <laughs> uh and you said the answer too it's a shame because uh it's the former home run king roger maris uh that was the name of his wife it's maris so the answer is maris and just for the record Stephen, it was uh joe dimaggio who was married to Mel monroe oh yeah oh, not mantle I'm off all right question uh round two question five millennial version of the three card monty the common advanced fee con known as the 419 fraud, gets its name from the reference to an article in the Federal Criminal Code of which country? Locked in. Locked in. All right, they're locked in. All right. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know on this one, Stephen. I'm trying to figure out an inroad. Do you have any ideas? I mean, outside of, you know, there's a Napoleonic Code from France. Uh, I mean, I was just trying to think of countries with fraud. And, I mean, Italy came to mind, especially of what they've been going through with food recently. But, uh, I'm shooting at the dark at this point. Uh, I mean, France with the Napoleonic Code. So. Yeah, I've got no no better guesses, so I'll I'll lean on you at that one. Whatever you're uh, whatever you're feeling. Let's go Italy. All right, we'll go with Italy. Um, so the advance fee con, I believe, is when they tell you that you need to pay a little bit now, and then they'll pay you a lot later. Um, these scams started with usually a Nigerian prince. I believe that it, the code's named after from that country, so we said Nigeria. They say they're a Nigerian prince, but really it's just math. Yeah, <laughs> catfishing <laughs> all the time. So the 419 code in the Nigerian criminal code refers to obtaining goods, credits, and, serp- and security under false pretenses. The Very answer cool. is Nigeria. Nice. Wow, so wow. Uh, after the beginning of the second round, uh, Team General Triviality's Chicken has only missed one question, so they're, they're up 40 <laughs> points there. And uh, Team Quizly Bear only got one right, so uh, they're only up 10. So it looks like it's uh, 85 to 90. So uh, General Triviali's Chicken uh, is taking the lead. Uh, Round two, question six is Jesus Take the Wheel. Before its merger with Peugeot in 1974, what automobile manufacturer was the first mass production car company outside of the United States and developed the world's first mass-produced front-wheel drive motor vehicle in 1934? We could be locked in. If they merge with Peugeot, they don't exist anymore. Is that the assumption? Yeah, I would. I would think so. First front wheel drive. My, my gut went to Citroen, but they're still around. Uh, my other guess is weirdly, I think it might actually be a Japanese car company, and I wonder if it's uh, Datsun, who was. Um, I know they eventually became Nissan, part of them, but um, there's like a weird Japanese French car company relationship between like a few of those brands. Like Renault has an uh, affiliation with Nissan now. So I wonder if it's like uh, Datsun for some reason, just off the cuff. I mean, I like that more than 
you know, Saab. Okay. Or uh, uh, some of the um, other ones we had. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Datsun. We're just gonna go with uh, Volkswagen because we don't know. Uh, in 1974. Um, Peugeot bought 38.2% of this company, and then in a later increase, when it went uh, bankrupt, it increased it to 89%, and it's Citroen. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> go with the gut. So now they're all under they're all under the group PSA, which is like Peugeot, Citroen, uh, DS, Opel, and Vauxhall. All right, question seven, under pressure. The SI unit for pressure, stress, and tensile strength is named after what Catholic mathematician and physicist? Uh, we're, we're locked in. How about, um, how about Barry? <laughs> what kind? Like barometer? Oh, yeah. I mean, so pressure isn't like PSI. Yeah, that's pounds per square, square inch. inch. Pressure and tension would be... Let's say Barry's. <laughs> that's fine. Marv and Barry. <laughs> uh, I believe this is uh, Pascal. It is Pascal. Blaise Pascal. All right. Question eight. Sino superlatives. Wu Zechan, the de facto ruler of China from 665 to 690, who founded the Zhu dynasty, holds what distinction? Well, we're waiting. I was going to say that there uh, there was some pressure on Paramore's debut album. All mm. we know is falling. Yeah. Oh, I love Paramore. All right. We're going to be in on this. Could you, uh, could you spell the it's dynasty? closer now. The dynasty? Z-H-O-U. I believe that's Joe. Joe. Sorry. We're good, though. Um, Stephen, I think, is this maybe the first emperor of what we would call China? Because I've, I mean, maybe, but um, I thought it wasn't really considered a Chinese empire until the the Qin dynasty. Could be. Uh, Q-I-N-G. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. It depends on which romanization. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm, going to guess he's the, the first emperor to rule over modern day China. Not necessarily be... Chinese, but modern day China. And we're gonna say maybe he was just the the cutest little emperor, and say he was the youngest. So Wu was the first and only empress in Chinese history. They get no point. You get no points, right? That is correct. Was she okay. also the youngest? Okay, she, she was. Not. She was <laughs> definitely. She was the youngest empress. Yeah, mm-hmm. half points. Point. Question nine. I like to check my boxes. Initiating civil service reform, naval modernization purging corruption in the post office and being shot in the abdomen by Charles Guiteau is part of the action item list accomplished by which president? Uh, Jeff, I think we have this unlocked. You do? Okay, good. Um, I, I'm happy to discuss, but I think I've got it down to two and I'm pretty sure which, so we're, I think we're okay. You guys are locked in? Yeah. All right, dudes who are shot. Uh, Garfield, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKinley. Does Garfield seem... Reagan? To, yeah, Reagan seems too late for post office reform, right? Garfield, uh, Gar- Garfield, and I, I thought, um, what was the second one? Was hating Mondays in the list? <laughs> yes, lasagna, lasagna reform was on the list. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go with McKinley. McKinley's in that the era where we still right where it felt like they're moving away from old timey ships towards new ships. <laughs> yeah, he was in the. He was the last president of the 1800s. Yeah, that seems like a good time. Let's go McKinley. Also the namesake for the high school in Glee. Oh, wait. What about... Um, Hold on. We're not going McKinley. <laughs> what about Teddy Roosevelt? He was shot. Let's go Roosevelt. All right. Uh, Stephen, what, what was your thought on this one? I was thinking Reagan, but... Yeah, we, uh, we're, I'm good locking in with, uh, with Reagan. So all of these items, all of these actions were c- accomplished or completed by James A. Garfield. Oh. oh. The thing we first said. 
Yeah, it was on the board. At least you said it. I feel good about that. Good enough. <laughs> and did the bullet actually hit Reagan? Yeah. In the leg or something? I don't know where, where it hit in the, him. In the gipper or something? It hit him right in the gipper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Last question of the round. Herstory. <laughs> a groundbreaking 1863 book describing a widespread phenomenon introduced by Betty Friedan as, quote, the problem that has no name, end quote, was given a name in her book's title. What was it? We're locked in. I'm trying to remember because a Betty Friedan definitely, uh, that name is very familiar, but I think there is something, uh, something phenomenon, but I, I, I'm not getting it. I think we're just going to have to tap out. All right. Uh, so I wrote down something quick. Uh, Ken suggested what was it, the feminine mystique? Yeah. Um, but I thought it was something that people were kind of concerned about, and it's around this time period. It might be too late, but we said reefer madness. Okay. In the early 1960s was the second wave of feminism. The book was titled "The Feminine, the feminine mystique. mystique." Yeah. As soon as yeah, as soon as that uh, name came up, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's yeah. the one." <laughs> no, I think too about feminist <laughs> literature. <laughs> but I got talked out of it. All right, after regulation, it looks like the game is going to be very tight going into the final round. Uh, in second place currently are General Triviality's Chicken with 90 points. And in first place, narrowly by five points, is the Grizzly Bears with 95. All right, the finals. Your categories are Silver Screen Reincarnations. Second one is Not Actual Carnations. Third one is What Intarnations. Four is Some Sort of Silly Nations. And five is She Goes Round in Full Rotations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Mm. All right. All the wagers are locked in. So, David, feel free to go through the questions. All right. Question one, silver screen reincarnations. Often cited as an animated version of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which, pic- which Pixar animated full-length film is the only one to technically be written in all lowercase letters? Oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> sad that we did not bet on this. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Question two. Not actual carnations. 
What is the name of the ostentatious ornamentation named after a flower spelled correctly by Anne of Green Gables that is given to dates during homecoming that can be average as large as two to three feet? Okay. Question three, what intarnations? What intarnation is a meme used to poke fun at the way Southerners express bewilderment? What English evolutionary biologist, ethologist, and author of books such as The Selfish Gene and God Delusion coined the term meme? Got it. He did? <laughs> Question four. Some sort of silly nations. On his many voyages, Lemuel Gulliver visited many lands. The easiest to remember in his meetings, sorry, the easiest to remember is his meetings with the tiny Lilliputians on Lilliput. He also visited Glubdrub Drib that was inhabited by magicians and sorcerers. Can you tell me what kind of people inhabited Brogdignag? And the last one is She Goes Round in Full Rotations. In 2017, the Victorian Roller Derby League, or VRDL, became the first non-U.S. team to win the International WFTDA Championships. They're based out of which city? All right, so all of the answers are locked in. We're going to have David go through the questions one more time, and I'll read the wagers. All right, question one, silver screen reincarnations. Often cited as an animated version of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, which Pixar animated full-length film is the only one to technically be written in all lowercase letters? So what was their wagers? All right, uh, Team General Triviality's Chicken wagered 30, and Quizly Bears wagered zero. Hmm. Yeah, very confident on this one. Uh, it's one of my favorite fun facts, because basically every movie is a remake of a Kurosawa movie, but uh, this one is <laughs> Bugs Life. Even the ones that predate it? Yeah. Especially the ones that predate it. Yeah, this one makes makes me very sad, uh, figuring that I wouldn't get a movie question. We said we, we bet zero, and uh, it's A Bug's Life, without a doubt. The answer is A Bug's Life. Question two, not actual carnations. What is the name of the ostentatious ornamentation named after a flower spelled correctly by Anne of Green Gables that is given to dates during homecoming that can average as large as two to three feet? All right, Team General, uh, General Triviality's Chicken wagered 10, and Team Quizly Bears wagered an Oakland 5. Yeah, I was thinking the the ones you pin on, uh, although I can't imagine they're two to three feet, but we said corsage. Yep, we said corsage. Okay, it comes from the word chrysanthemum. They're mums. Oh, whoops. <laughs> All right, question three, what intarnations? What intarnation is a meme used to poke fun at the way Southerners express bewilderment? What English evolutionary biologist, ethologist, and author of books such as The Selfish Gene and The God Delusion coined the term meme? General Triviality's Chicken Wager 10 and Quizly Bears, Oakland 5. Uh, we believe this would be Dawkins. Yeah, we're inclined to agree that would be Dawkins. The answer is Richard Dawkins. Mm. Question four, some sort of silly nations. On his many voyages, Lemuel Gulliver visited many lands. The easiest to remember in his meeting with, is the, sorry, the easiest to remember is, is his meeting with the tiny Lilliputians on Lilliput. He also visited Glubdrub Drib that was inhabited by magicians and sorcerers. Can you tell me what kind of people inhabited Brogdignag? All right, well, uh, General Triviality's Chicken wagered 10. Quizly Bears went all in with 30. And as we know, the Club Drib Drib uh, was home to all different R. Kellys. All right, so what are your answers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure he visits some giants at some point in time. We figure maybe this is the place where, so we said giants. Yeah, either that or an island full of Jeffs. 
I don't think so. Um, we, we thought maybe this was the island full of old people. Okay. So Hanim, Hanimims is the equine people, and Brogdignag is the giants. Wow. wow. Big move. Big move. Wow. Okay. Question five. She goes round in full rotations. In 2017, the Victorian Roller Derby League, or VRDL, became the first non-U.S. team to win the International WFTDA Championships. They are based out of which city? Boy, well, all right. Uh, tr- Triviality's Chicken wagered 10 and Quizzy Bears 15. Yeah, we just uh, didn't really know this one, so we just guessed Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat, uh, but we thought uh, Melbourne was in Victoria, Australia, so we guessed Melbourne. In Victoria, Australia, they're from Melbourne. Wow. Good job. But oh. is it enough? It's it's not enough. <laughs> no. It's never enough. <laughs> According to Robert Smith, it's never enough. It's never enough. All right. So after regulation and the final round, it looks like the final scores are going to come together with Quizly Bears in second place with 80 points. And today, taking the lead and winning it all, team all on that silly nation's question that's correct team general trivialities chicken with 130 uh, points and today's cream of the crop the cream of the crop nobody does it better the generals are back yeah. one well done gentlemen right. here right. we go uh we're gonna have them open the celebratory fortune cookie you and paid see. money for that no it comes free take half of this and we'll we'll crack it oh Ooh. wonderful fully gsmr GSMR? It's ASMR. Whatever it's called. (laughs) GSR is gunshot residue. Mm. Mm. (laughs) This is a good one. Your best investment is in yourself. In bed. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, So that was a a really, really great uh, game. David, thank you very much for, for hosting that, putting the questions together. Those were awesome. Yeah, no worries. Sorry they were harder this time. No, oh, that's all good. They were good. <laughs> hey, that's I, all right. I, I didn't do well as well as I'd like on the mid round, but I also loved the mid round. So, and the results speak for themselves. Yeah, no, this was a this is a great game. Uh, Steven, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, I know some of those might have been uh, hard, like you said, but uh, you are a worthy competitor, and I hope you get you had fun. Well, I I enjoyed it. I hope to come back for redemption, and I'm now going to go into hiding as the entire state of Texas. Uh, tries to find me for not getting mums. <laughs> Just make sure to keep that bass really low so no one will hear you. Um, uh, David, uh, thanks for the seven brides for seven brothers question. I'll give you your 20 bucks in Vegas. <laughs> I'm going to go hang out with your grandma later. <laughs> Thank you, Grandma Alice. Grandma Alice. All to you. Hashtag Grandma Alice. Uh, so, Stephen, uh, we're going to let you go, but before we do, can you give us your handle again for people to check you out? Uh, I don't know if I want to anymore. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's uh, at DJ Nursic, uh, DJ N U R S I C. All right. DJ Nursic. Probably not. Thank you. And David, and anything you can leave us with before we close out the show, maybe a lesson from Japan or something from tonight? I don't know. Everybody in Japan is just super nice. So I just feel like, in general, just be nice to other people. Mate, that's that's all we need to hear. That's yeah. what that's what Japan is basically just a bunch of David Levisies who are super nice. So uh, <laughs> you're always super nice. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much to David and Stephen. Thank you to everyone here in the studio. Make sure to check check out our Facebook group, The Crop, and our video miniseries, Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jeff, Ken, Matt, David, and Stephen, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Gall staff, you have entered the door to the north. 
You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge, duh. I want to cast a spell. Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes, you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it.